Welcome to episode 32 of the Gumprunners podcast, Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell coming at you tonight with uh, Evan Wright joining us back. Um, uh, gonna, gonna talk some basketball recruiting tonight, gonna talk a little bit of uh, spring football. Alabama is set to, to host their A-Day scrimmage this Saturday at noon, televised on ESPN. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just a little bit about what's, what's going on. There's a lot going on right now in the sports world. You got spring football, you got college baseball, major league baseball, you got the transfer portal is hot right now in college basketball. That's what's going on, man. How you been doing? I've been better. My Braves haven't been looking so hot. So we'll take that for what it is right now, but uh, things are good. Looking forward to spring practice. Um, lots of excitement surrounding this team. You know, Bryce Young taking over, you know, the next evolution of Will Anderson and that defense and, you know, the offense is going to be right. So a lot of excitement going on around Tuscaloosa. Yeah, the uh, Braves are 0-3 in extra inning games. They had the the crazy ending where Alec Baum for the Phillies did not touch the plate when he slid in, and that ended up being the winning run. That was the top of the ninth. And uh, that ended up being a winning run. So that hurts just as bad as an extra inning loss. So four really close games that didn't go the Braves' way. Uh, the Red Sox, on the other hand, had had a, you know, they started 0-3 and then actually had a nine-game winning streak snapped um, against the Minnesota Twins. So they, they took three out of four um, in the series. Now they head home to play the White Sox back at Fenway Park. But, uh, Evan, I know you're a basketball dude, man, so that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with some basketball recruiting. Nate Oates has just been an absolute dog on the recruiting trail the last couple of weeks. Landon Charles Bediaco, a guy that we've said was coming – for a couple of months now, um, he lands Namari Burnett, transfer from Texas Tech. He was close to committing to Alabama out of high school. Um, Noah Gurley, you know, transfer from Furman, who averaged 15 points a game. And, uh, you know, they, they have to make some room for scholarships. Langston Wilson gets his national letter of intent. I guess you can say revoked. You know, he gets out of that. So now he's looking elsewhere. I'm not really sure how that works, but uh, let's, let's start with Betty Aco because I think that's probably the biggest name um, since he is a high school guy. Gurley's just going to be a one-year player. Betty Aco more than likely a, a two, three, four-year player. Um, talk about Betty Aco and what Alabama is getting in this six foot 11 power forward. Yeah, Betty Aco, that, that was, a, that's a big pickup. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy that comes in that, we haven't really seen at Alabama, uh, especially under Nate Oates. I mean, I guess you can go back to your Dante Hall um, kind of type player, a, a dominant big man that can play inside, but, uh, you know, they can also stretch the floor. So it's a little bit different than, than Dante in that regard. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how Nate Oates next year with this roster that we've got coming in. You've got Betty Aco, who's, you know, has the potential to be a dominant big man. I don't know if we'll see it year one, but, but then you've also got another dominant big man that, that we didn't see last year and Alex Tachiku, who, you know, both of those guys are, are, are big guys that can run the floor and, and even stretch the floor a little bit. And, and, and hopefully they're, they're not quite as soft as some of the bigs that or I guess the main big that we had last year. And so, you know, it's a, a big pickup. I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this team plays next year because NATO has some pieces that he hasn't had. And, you know, I think to some degree that style of play is, is going to have to shift when these guys are on the floor and, and, and you'll be able to see more kind of half-court sets where we, 
we get the ball inside and, and then the ball's not going inside just to kick it out. It's, it's going inside because you have a mismatch and you have a guy that can score down there consistently. So huge pickup, obviously you named the other guys, JD um, dominant, uh, the most dominant player that we've had come in since Colin. Um, and I think two, four, seven lists him as the, maybe third biggest recruit in Alabama basketball history, Betty Yako's top 10. So you're going to have two uh, huge recruits coming in, freshmen. Um, and then this is also the, the only the second time in history that Alabama's had three McDonald's All-American on the same team, which would be Namari Burnett, Javon Quinterly, and um, – oh, man, now I'm drawing a blank. I don't know who the third one is. Is it Betty Yako? You say J.D.? J.D., Javon, Namari Burnett. There's your three. So, I mean, you've got three McDonald's All-American guards along with Jaden Shackelford who comes back. Keon Ellis is kind of your forward or kind of your uh, small forward type role that can that can really push it. Just, no, I mean, the, the guard play that we're going to have next year is just through the roof. I don't, I don't know if there will be a team in the country that is deeper at the guard position than Alabama. And you have, you know, not to beat it at horse, but two, two guys that have the potential to be dominant inside. So it's, it's really exciting, exciting uh, weekend for Alabama basketball and, and a whole lot to look forward to next year. Do you really think with, with the addition of Bediaco and Chiku, you know, starting next year, he'll hopefully stay healthy through through practice and everything. But do, do you really see, um, unless I, I'll direct this question towards you, since you're, you're real high on the, uh, on the big men, you know, playing in the paint. I know Shaq's your all time favorite player, but, um, do you really see a NATO's offense changing just because he has a good big guy that can maybe score in the post? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't really see the offense changing. Um, with these two big guys, Badaiko and Chiku, first and foremost, they can run. Every little bit of little bit of film or video I've seen, the guys can move. It's not like you have a big 280, 300 pound guy in the post. These guys will be able to keep up and run up and down the floor. Except the thing that'll be different with these guys is they can actually rim protect. Honestly, I don't care if Badaiko can't shoot threes like Bruner. It's okay. I'll tell you one thing. Badaiko won't be soft under the freaking basket. He'll actually go up, go up hard. He'll rebound. And we didn't, we didn't have that last year. I don't, you know, the five out thing, you know what? Four out will be just as fine. If Badaiko can't play out, that's okay. But one thing Chiku can do is Chiku can light it up from beyond the range. And guess what? He's a seven-footer also. So I think I think that it'll be awesome. Oates can do whatever he wants to do in that lineup. Now, we have to slow down a little bit when the big guys are on the floor, sure. But that's okay because you have legit rim protectors and you have legit guys who can score in the paint. They're an actual threat now. We didn't have that last year. So I, I, I'd be rubbing my hands together with an evil grin on my face. I was made those now. Every position has upgraded. Yeah. Um, and, and Evan, I, I'm a little skeptical, I guess you could say, when it comes to transfers that weren't necessarily dominant at their prior schools. Like, an example is Namari Burnett. Like, you know, Noah Gurley comes in. He averaged 16 points a game at Furman. He just wanted to – to compete in a better conference. And uh, and so I, I think that he'll step in, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's immediately our the team's best rebounder and maybe, you know, the, the best defender on the team as well. Not just interior defender, but defender, you know, period. And, um, and, and so 
with that being said, you, you look at Namari Burnett, and he only got about 17 minutes a game at Texas Tech. He only scored about five points a game. He shot like ass from the three point um, from the three point line. So, is is that situation more of it just wasn't the best fit for? And you can make a, an argument about this either way. Is that is that a case of that just not being the best system for Burnett out of high school, or is it the fact that you know he could be a semi-bust, so to speak. Which way do you lean on that? Because another example is Walker Kessler coming in from Auburn. Auburn fans are ecstatic about landing him. And I, I look at him the same way I look at Burnett. Like, yeah, he was good in high school, but all these guys are good in high school. And and so, you know, it's, it's is it he only averaged four points a game and, and eight minutes a game at North Carolina. I mean, you can't even you can't even average more than eight minutes a game on a team that went 13-11 last year. So that raises some question marks for me. And, and so is, is Burnett a guy that comes in and immediately has an impact off the bench? I don't think he's going to start. Or do you think it's, it's going to take him a year or two to develop, um, whether it's a shot or whatever it is? Do you, do you think it's going to take some time for him to develop in NATO system, or do you think he comes in and contributes right away? I think it'll be a little bit of both, um, you know, because uh, everything you say is spot on. It, it, you never know with these guys. And, Every year in recruiting, whether it's basketball, football, you know, you name it, we always have guys that are top-tier recruits that come in. I mean, think about Ben Davis for football, just for instance. But there's always these guys that come out, and there are busts. I mean, there's no no doubt about it. And so there's always potential for that. But there's also potential for Javon Quinterly. I mean, look, look, look what happened with him when he came to Alabama. He At Villanova, he – I think he averaged maybe three points a game. He wasn't playing substantial minutes, but <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely the difference. That's definitely a yeah. fit scenario, and, that, and that's a good point. I actually didn't think about that. That's a tremendous point because Villanova is one of the slower paced teams in the country. This guy wants to get out and run. You saw how good he was once he got in the open floor. So that's a that's a great that's a great point about how Villanova just wasn't a good fit for him. And I think you know that, that could be a similar scenario for um, Burnett at Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech plays a little bit slower. Um, and it, you know, Nate Oates style is, is just ripe for guards, right? And you, you know, some of these guys at places that they are when they're freshmen and they screw up, you have the coaches that immediately will pull them out of the game and tell them everything that they did wrong. Whereas, you know, with Nate Oates and his style with everything, he, he says, man, if you bust your tail for me on defense and run the floor, I don't, you can shoot it, go down there and shoot it. And so I think Nate Oates kind of his philosophy, especially when it comes to guards, you it really frees them up and opens them up and so I mean just to you know going back on what you said I think for Gurley there's less risk with Burnett there's more risk but I think there's also a higher ceiling um and so you know to be determined what will happen I think you're spot on there's I don't I don't think he'll start I mean look at who he'd have to start over JD Q Shaq I mean you've got Keon um busting his tail for minutes um, so there's four guys right there, four guards that he's going to have to find his fit among those four. And, you know, that's going to take time. It took time for JQ last year. Um, I mean, he came in and he was good, but as the season developed, he, he started to fit in with the offense more. So we'll see what happens. I don't, I think it's too early to tell at this point. I think he will see, we'll see an improvement based off of what he did at Texas Tech when he comes in Alabama. Um, but it, I mean, you might be right. It may take him a year. It may take him two years. Yeah. Some, some, some guys, especially that guard play, they just, they play better on the fly. They're more comfortable when they're on the run. And, um, you know, honestly, that might have been something that 
the the players who were moving on. Well, you know, Herb Jones, John Petty, even Shaq at times, they, they were more comfortable maybe in a half-court offense. Um, because yeah, they made some plays while they were on the run, but they're also a lot of turnovers. So hopefully this year you've got more guys on the roster that better fit Nate Oates' system that play better on the run because that's what they're more used to doing. Um, Lester Langston Wilson um, gets release of his national letter of intent. Um, he is a free agent, so to speak. Alabama is still one player over the scholarship limit. You know, Nate Oates commented the other day about, you know, some, some people are just a better fit in other programs or whatever. My question to you, who's next? You know, there's a lot of rumors going around about Rojas and the, the relationship that he has with the staff. He was committed to Oates at Buffalo. He's, he comes from nothing. He's got a poor family. You know, he doesn't have anything. He didn't have anything when he showed up to campus. Oates gave him a shot or whatever. But, he, he I mean, I'm, he's a terrible basketball player. I mean, nothing against the, the kid. I'm sure he's a good dude, but he's just not a good basketball player. He's, he's not an SEC basketball player. He might be good at Buffalo, but he's not an SEC-type basketball player. And so just my question to you is, is where is that scholarship going to come from? Who, who is going to leave in order for Alabama to get under their limit? Um, I don't know. Um, the previous consensus, I guess, for more information about Rojas and the relationship with the staff came out as he was the one that everybody had their eyes set on everyone. Um, but, you know, as that came off and as it, and as it became evident that he'll probably most likely stay, um, I guess you got to look at somebody like Darius Miles. You know, Alabama is already so guard deep um, when you shoot three, four, you know, five guys. Um, and he's a guard. You know, he may be the odd man out. Um, another guy is uh, probably Keon Ambrose Hilton, big guy. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites for absolutely no reason at all. But he's probably on the chopping block also. But, you know, the thing with him is I believe that we need to keep him around for depth purposes. I mean, these big guys go down all the time. As we saw with Chiku, um, tearing his ACL before the season started, then Bruner tearing meniscus in one knee, then toward in the other. You know, when things like that happens, Alabama got extremely small last year, and that showed. It showed, and, and it came back to bottom of the butt more than once. So, you know, Miles, you know, Ambrose Hilton, you know, and maybe one of those. But like Oates said, these things will sort themselves out. Thing is, you you, you see potential with Darius Miles. He's doesn't he doesn't have a bad shot. Now, he's too lanky to be a ball handler, but I think he can be a solid three guy. He's not, you know, whenever he came in with the scrubs, he had to play point guard, and he doesn't handle pressure well. But that's not his fault. That's not his position. He's not a point guard. Um, but you know, he's lanky, he needs a little bit of weight, but I think he's got a good shot. He's got good range. Um, he's got a, a, a quick first step. You saw what he did against George and we just dunked all over that guy. But, um, you know, Keon Ambrose Hilton, I think has a relationship with the Canadian players. I think you can't, you definitely don't want to ruin that pipeline. And now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Canada is not filled with five stars every single season, but it is nice to, to know people from that area if there is a Charles Bediaco up there or, you know, a Josh Primo or Keon Ambrose Hilton. So I think he's got to keep his Canada players happy and then keep them on the roster together. Um, I think it's just – it's got – unless somebody the, – the thing that we're missing, and J-Law actually sent – he just sent a text message to us, Lester, in the Gumpreneur's group message that Shaq is going to test the waters. He's not going to sign with an agent 
but he uh, he's he's going to test the waters in the NBA. Um, and so, you know, is that a situation, Evan, to where maybe Quinterly could could perhaps go pro? You know, it's I don't know when the deadline is. I don't know when any of that stuff is. Um, but uh, Evan, where, where does that where does that thirteen man scholarship limit come from? They're at fourteen right now. Who who's getting the axe? Or is somebody going pro? Yeah, you you said you said J Law said that Shaq was testing the waters, and then you said Quinterly may go pro. Is it Shaq's testing well, the waters or yeah, Quinterly? Shaq, Shaq is definitely. He put it on his Instagram just now that he's that he's testing the waters. Um, but what I'm saying is, I don't know when the deadline is for these guys to do this. Because you remember, Petty kept dancing around with it last year about whether he was coming back or not, and uh. And so I think it's possible that Q is probably going to do the same because, I mean, he's a hell of a lot better than Shaq. But I'm just saying, is, is that an option? Do you see a guy like Q maybe maybe signing with an agent and, and going pro? Uh, I, no. To answer your question for both of those guys, I think um, with Shaq, his, he, he's just got to develop a lot, right? I mean, we saw last year he's, he's just too inconsistent at times. He can really score the basket. Um, from deep, and I think he can get inside and score a decent amount, but he's not consistent enough driving the lane and, and really being a multi-purpose player on the offensive end. With Q, the the only downside really to Q is his size, right? That's right. And yeah, with a with a have something special. Yeah, when a when a guy's I think I've told you all this when a guy's listed at six one, you see him in person, he's going you know he might be pushing five eight, right? And um, so. I don't think either one of those guys had the skills yet to go pro. Um, and then your next question is, where do we go next? How do we how do we get that limit to where it needs to be? I don't I, I don't want to rehash everything Lester said, but I couldn't agree with him more. I, I think the first name that I would think would be the one to go pro would be Darius Miles, um, just because. But and also you're right. I mean, I agree with your point too, Chase. Is that Darius Miles when he came in the game, like we saw him all year as a point guard, but. He really – he's not a point guard. He's more of a point forward or a three-guard, four-guard um, type player. He's not great with the ball in his hands, but he does have length. Uh, Keon Ambrose Hilton, again, I agree with Lester, you can't coach his size. And even with James Rojas, I mean, I think James Rojas and Darius Miles are pretty close in size. Um, I think that James Rojas, his relationship, like you've hinted at, will go a long ways in keeping him there. Um, so, immediately – Offhand, I would say we're not going to lose any of the guys we think are going to go pro or have the potential to go pro. They're, they're, they're going to test the waters, I think, which, I mean, I know Coach Cal a few years ago when they opened up this avenue for players to go into the draft without hiring an agent, he immediately said, all right, every player on my team is going to go test the waters, knowing that maybe half of them will go. Um, and so I think I think NATO should do the same thing. Hey, you have potential to go to the NBA. Why don't you go test the waters this year? Take the feedback, come back, work on it, get better, and then go. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me at all that those guys are doing that. I don't think either one of them are going to pan out, just, you know, based off what I've said. But right. I think Darius Miles is probably the, the name to look for to transfer, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if it was any of those three that y'all mentioned. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Evan, I'm going to stay with you. The, the, the situation with Langston Wilson, do, do you agree with that? Because there's a lot of people – as an Alabama fan, I, I get it. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, these coaches – they develop relationships with these guys. I mean, Wilson, he's no scrub. I mean, he's a really good JUCO prospect, but maybe didn't fit Oates' system as much as these other guys. 
And then, you know, this transfer portal opened up and Oates was like, wow, I did not expect this. Um, especially with the NCAA approving the one-time transfer rule. It's basically free agency in college basketball. And it's going to be that way in college football soon. Um, and so I, and Nate Oates didn't expect this probably. And so I see where Oates is coming from. At the same time, you hate to see this kid. He's been such a Bama guy all season. He, he committed last summer. He, he's been loyal to the program. He, he hasn't visited. I know you can't visit because of COVID, but he hasn't really flirted with his commitment. He's been solid. And now all of a sudden, you know, after he signs on the dotted line, you got to tell him, look, we we found somebody to take your place. You need to look elsewhere. So you hate that. But do you agree with that situation? Do you think that the coaching staff should honor their pledge to him just like he's doing with the coaching staff? And that's a that's a loaded question. And I think the answer is even more loaded. It's it, it's hard to have an opinion on that when you're not involved in those conversations as to what went on. Now, I'll say this, from an outside perspective, it's a bad look. Uh, there's no denying that it, it's not a good look for Alabama. We've seen this happen in football before where, where players, you know, just get kind of run off on the, on the last or coaches try to gray shirt them. They're like, I don't, we don't want to do that, you know. And so it's, it's never been a good look. Now, internally, you have to think that NATO sat down with Langston and said, look, man, you're, what you're about to come into, it may be best for you to do something else, right, that – that at the point in time that you committed to us, this is what we thought we were going to have. And now that has really grown and we've kind of seen what this team is about and it may be more beneficial for you to go and do this. And I think Langston even said, and maybe somebody tweeted that the avenue for Langston to go somewhere else and then come back to Bama is still there. Do I think that would happen? No. Do I hope that happens? You know, at, at that point, I think it just, it almost even would look worse, but um so so with that being said the outside perspective of it is not a good look it's not a good look for Alabama but being involved in those conversations I don't think it's probably the worst thing for him yeah because I mean this guy's gonna gonna come to Bama never gonna play or whatever and he's not gonna get developed the way he should or if he, has, if he has any dreams of playing overseas or in the NBA whatever it is it would be best suited at another program and I'm sure that's what they told him but uh, uh yeah and, and I don't you know of course as a fan you know you know that Nate Oates is finding better players for his system and so um you you're happy as a fan I guess but still realistically I mean you just you think about what this kid's done and and how hard he's worked and everything this is you know these guys go to JUCO this is their dreams to get to go play at a big program or go to the pros or whatever, I guess go to the pros first this is the next step. And, uh, and, and he, and he did that. Now it was all kind of taken away from him, but um, Lester Alabama's depth next year with uh, you know, these six guards, they have um, some coming back, some coming in, you got six guards and you got four big guys. You got a, a legit 10 man rotation, six guards, four bigs, that can all that all have SEC potential, meaning like you've you've got you've got ten guys that can start for a lot of teams, um, and, and so just talk about how important it is to have that depth. With as much as Oates wants to run, and uh, the minutes that he wants to to share between everybody, um, just talk about how big it is for Alabama to provide this much depth. Not only at the guard position, but it, you know you got four very credible bigs as well. 
I mean, last year it was a perfect case study for this. When, you know, Shaq or Bruner or Herb or Petty, when one of your starters goes out and it's like, well, oh, shoot, who's the next guy? Oh, damn, here comes Rojas or here comes somebody who freaking sucks. And, and, and where does that leave you? It leaves you in a bad spot. Like, injuries happen. You know, hopefully we don't have anybody, you know, get two fouls in the first 20 seconds of a game again. But should that happen, Alabama will be so much better prepared to handle those situations now. And honestly, I don't even view nature as having ones or twos. It's just a simple rotation of just everybody. It's just a simple rotation of plug and play, plug and play, plug and play. There should be no drop-off, or there should be minimum drop-off before your starters and your next group up, your rotation of guys. And last year, it seemed like Alabama had like seven guys that rotate, eight maybe. That's not the case next year. Depth is so important for the attrition that goes on from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. It is so important, and I can't emphasize that enough. You must have depth. You must have a team full of guys who are able to come in and contribute on a consistent basis. Look, when, when Rojas came to the game, did you expect that guy to come in and give you, you know, five, six, seven, eight points? Hell no. Turnovers. Absolutely not. Turnovers. Absolutely not. It could just come just, just bad all around. That's not going to happen, or, or that should not happen or that should happen a whole lot less this upcoming season. And I'm, that's one reason why I'm excited. Like, when your main guys go out, when somebody needs a breather, nobody's rolling their eyes at the guy who's coming up to the scores table. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, and Lester, I'm pausing right here because, yeah, Alabama just walted off against Auburn and baseball in the bottom of the 10th inning. And I, I tell you what, has it been – has there ever been a more lopsided year? Have there, has there ever been a more lopsided sports year one way or the other between Alabama and Auburn? Evan, I mean, you, you, we, we, you know, you stomp their ass in football. You, Sharif comes back. You get all this hype, and you still beat them on the road in the jungle in basketball. Then you come back home, you beat them by 12 – uh, and now, you know, you beat them in game one of the baseball series. You know, hopefully Alabama can take another game and win the series. But has this has this been the uh, – has there been a more more one-sided year at sports year in, in the rivalry ever? <laughs> not that I can – not that I can recall. I mean, I, I think back to the year that we won the four natties and the four kind of big sports. But, I mean, even that year, I don't think that – I think we may have lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl that season. I, I can't remember what, exactly what year it was. But, no, it's been, uh, it's fun to watch beating up on little brother. Yeah, and it's just – it's like you've gotten so used to it now. I mean, you know, it's like it's, – it's, I mean, of course, the coach were happy that they won, but it's like, eh, you know, should have been about 10. Auburn, they're 1-12 in SEC play now. Um, uh, you know, I, I guess I apologize so much for this. I did not expect Alabama to win the game, you know, uh, in the middle of the show. So I, I have to ask this question, Lester. I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Um, 
has have you ever seen a school in the country that cannot maintain success the way Auburn can't? I mean, you're talking about they went to a, they win the Natty in 2010. They go back to the ship in 2013, 2017. They're SEC runner-ups. They win the West. Nothing since then. You get a fluky year in 2018 where they get to the Final Four in basketball and get to the College World Series in baseball. Since then, I mean, Auburn just went under 500 this year. I know they're trying to recruit some guys, or you know, they're paying to get some guys in. But their baseball team's one and twelve in conference. Have you ever seen a school that just can't maintain success the way Auburn just they just can't do it? They have one good year every four or five years, and that's it. It perfectly encompasses just the Auburn spirit. The Auburn spirit. Let's just play spoiler. Who gives a damn? Let's just play spoiler. And you know what? When the coach doesn't win enough after a couple of years, we'll just run him out of town and find somebody else. But as long as he plays spoiler, as long as he wins a couple, you know, win a couple that he's not supposed to win, we're good with that. We don't want long-term success. We don't want, you know, a natty. Maybe we get lucky and run into a natty every once in a while. But I, I, that's just infuriating. As an Auburn, looking at it, talking to Auburn fans right now, how can you not want more for your programs? I, I just don't get it. You're okay with cheating. You're okay with having a good year here and there. You know, you're okay with just beating Alabama and spoiling their season. Never mind, you know, where Auburn's at. We spoiled Alabama. We spoiled Alabama. Ha, ha, ha. We'll say War Eagle for the next three six, five days. I, just little brother is all I can say. National I don't have a little brother, but if, if, if I did, I'm sure he just want to get on my nerves and piss me off all the time, which is exactly what Auburn does every couple of years. They just piss think? Alabama fans off, and that's it. They don't have the success. They're not used to that. Anything they can do to distract Alabama from their national success, they're going to do it. Or, you know, even their SEC success or whatever. I mean, their second SEC wins in basketball – um, I think their second in college World Series appearances to only the LSU and SEC baseball. So, I mean, they've got good program. They've had good programs historically all the way in all the major sports. Their softball team is very good. They're top five right now. But, Evan, I mean, yeah, like, like, like Lester was saying, it's just have you, have you ever seen a team that just – I mean, you would think that once you have a good year, you can use that to recruit, right? Hey, look what we just did, man. We're the new hot thing. You want to come to Auburn to play baseball. You know, we only want the best, blah, blah, blah. You know, you come to Auburn to play basketball, whatever. How in the hell does Bruce Pearl go under 500 in year seven? You know what I'm saying? I mean, same in football. I mean, Gus gets to gets to the national championship 2013, and he's still finishing fourth, fifth in, in, in his own division in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I you know, this is a perfect time to mention this, but after Alabama was bouncing the Sweet 16, all I heard was Final Four, Final Four, Final Four. You know, y'all had an easier route and you couldn't make it past the Sweet 16. What a joke. My only rebuttal to that was, well, at least we didn't have to sell our program to make it to the Final Four like like what happened with Auburn, you know, with the, the um, postseason. That was the first time I've ever seen a team not make the SEC tournament. I thought everybody made that, but – you know, it's, that's kind of what it, it seems like it's been. You know, you look back at Cam Newton and everything that happened then. Um, and, and then with basketball, when they made the Final Four, and then you've got literally out of the university under FBI investigation, 
which I know Alabama got a little bit of that, but not not to the degree that Auburn's got. And that's we still haven't don't know the full extent of what what's going to happen. But um, yeah, I think I think that has a lot to do with it. I, you know, as far as sustaining the success, like you mentioned, from a year, um, I guess that's kind of hard to do when you're under some sort of probation or something. You know, following what what got you there, but. No, I don't. I don't think uh, there's not a, not a school quite like Auburn. Yeah, and you know, I'm, and I'm not saying you should. Ha- I'm not saying they should have a dynasty in every sport. You know what I'm saying? I just think that when you have great years like that, because I mean, a Final Four is nothing to scoff at. Whether it was there was some luck involved, I think they got incredibly hot uh, in the SEC tournament and they just rode it. And they went through some big name schools in order to get to the Final Four. And uh, you know, College World Series, they 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 lose on a crazy error. And, um, and so, I mean, they're just, they're, they're a good, a good baseball team that year, but I mean, you don't expect, I mean, after they win the Natty in 2010, what did Chizik go like three and nine when he got fired? I mean, I think, I guess it was like 2012 or whatever it was. I can't remember, but I mean, it's just the fact that the team can't even stay afloat once they have success, they just bottom out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Bruce being under 500, you, you, to me, you can't call him. Uh, well, I say that, but at the same time, Duke and North Carolina had average years this year as well. And so I don't know, maybe it was this, this year. We'll see what Bruce does. I'm sure he's going to bring in some good talent, but you know, it's, it's just, I, I've never seen somebody have such great years and then bottom out so fast. But um, anyway, Lester, getting back to our basketball discussion, um, we'll continue the the Auburn trash talk some other day, but um, you know, let, let's let's discuss these one and dones real quick because that's the hot thing in college basketball. Auburn's got Jabari Smith coming in, top five player in the country. All they're talking about one and done, one and done. You know, Alabama's got J.D. Davidson coming in, but in Alabama's case, there's so much depth at the point guard spot on Alabama's team. You've got Javon Quinterly. Man, this guy was the MVP of the SEC tournament. This dude can play basketball, and he's just going to get better. Um, he got better as the year went along. Um, he's, he's got a year in the system. Um, and, yeah, I think J.D. has more talent than him, but let's not forget, Q was a top – you know, he, he was a five-star player coming out of high school as well, just like Evan was talking about. He was just in the wrong spot at Villanova. He knew it immediately and got the hell out because um, he knew what his style of play was, and he knew that he made a mistake going to a slow paced team out of high school, but man, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that JD is, is going to stay three, four years in Alabama, but when you have this much depth, does it make it harder for these top players coming in? Like a guy like JD Davidson, there's a lot of people saying this year that Primo could be one and done. And I, I told, I told everybody from the start, people on Twitter don't want to listen to me because I'm not in the gump cult Twitter, but I was telling him Primo's not going pro because he's not going to get enough minutes. You've got too much depth. You've got too many guys that are going to touch the ball in order for him to score 17, 18 points a game. I'll tell you something very special to do that. So when you've got Q trying to run that point guard spot, Burnett can run the point as well. Um, do you see a guy like uh, uh, do you see a guy like JD coming in being a surefire one and done college basketball player? I do not. And it's not because of depth per se, but I know it, I know it's easier in basketball for guys to come in and continue to dominate 
versus, let's say, football. But, you know, making the jump from 2A Alabama basketball to, you know, one of the premier college basketball conferences in the country, that's a jump. And, you know, that transition may not be as smooth as we hope for it to be. I mean, for instance, you brought up Primo. Um, what did Primo do? Start off the year on fire? Maybe teams got a little tape on him. Maybe he had a bad game. Maybe he got in his head. Maybe he got in the slump. And how many times on this podcast do we ask, where's Primo? What is Primo doing? Like, get that guy some shots. I, I kind of felt like he kind of tucked into a shell a little bit. And then he came out, you know, a little bit later on. But we just I, – I, I temper my expectations because we just do not know how these guys will adjust to this game. We, we just don't know. I hope for the best for J.D. I hope he comes in. Runs his offense, runs wide open, dunk on people, throw up 30-foot threes and drains the hell out of them. But we do not know that. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say he's a first – he's a one-and-done guy right now. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I don't think that J.D. – I don't think his his rating was based off of what he did in, in two-way basketball at Calhoun. I'm sure you know that as well. But, yeah, he didn't have great competition down there. Still couldn't win the state championship this year, might I add. But um, yeah, he, he's coming into Alabama, and I think that there's no there's no doubt about the talent level. I, I think he like, like I said, I think he's more talented than Q is, but Q has some advantages that JD doesn't have, and that's you know he knows what Nate Oates expects, and Nate Oates has shown he doesn't give a damn who you are. Like the the game before SEC play started, he benched John Petty, who was the best three point shooter statistically in Alabama history. And so he, he just benched him for a game. He, he, he doesn't care who you are, how many games you played, how many minutes, how, how, many, how many points you score. Um, if you don't do it his way, and if you don't do what he wants you to do, then you're not going to play. You're going to play limited minutes. So there's a lot of rumors about J.D. Davidson not wanting to play defense. Well, if he comes in with that mentality that I'm just going to score and then I'm just going to take it easy on the defensive end of the floor and I'm not going to condition myself to play both ways. He's not going to, he's not going to play the majority of the minutes. Now, like I said, talent wise, I think he will have the most talent on the team next year because I think he's special, but you know, there's a lot of traffic there at that point guard spot. Um, And so there, there is potential that he does stay more than one year just simply because he might only be playing 18 to 22 minutes a game and uh so Evan tell tell me what you think about the situation now that we've kind of laid it out we tell you what we thought tell me what you think about this one done situation when you come into to a program like Alabama that has a lot of experience and a lot of depth at your position do you think a guy like J.D. Davidson can come in and be so good that scouts consider him a one and done no matter what we're not not no matter what, but do you, do you think he can come in and put up the kind of numbers? Because another thing to me, I don't think that one and dones are looked at the same from a school like Alabama as they are a Duke, a Duke or North Carolina or Texas or not Texas, Kentucky or Kansas. Because I think those big blue blood programs, I think scouts look at those guys differently. And maybe some guys that were one and dones from those programs maybe shouldn't have been guys like Nerlens Noel or you know, all those from Kentucky that went pro that busted out, flamed out in the NBA. But I think at Alabama, you got to do something special like Kyra Lewis did. And he wasn't a one and done. He was a second year player, but the guy played 38 minutes a game. And so he had hella numbers and he had hella tape 
And so, Evan, do you think a guy like J.D., if he comes in and only gets to play 18 to 22 minutes a game, maybe averages, you know, I don't know, 8 to 11 points a game, maybe three or four assists a game, do you think that would be good enough to for the scouts to take a look at him to draft him first round? Yeah, no, I don't – I think it, it's probably more likely than not that he's not a one-and-done. And I guess the, probably the main reason being is you, you kind of watched some of his tape when he was at Calhoun, and it was – J.D. Davidson with the ball in his hands, scoring at will. And I mean, he's a true point guard. He's, he's a bigger size. But, I mean, you look at Alabama next year, if J.Q. comes back, he's the point guard. I don't think I don't think there's anything that, that J.D. could do to come in and take that away from him. Um, and, and so just based off of what you're saying, from a pure minute standpoint, I don't, I don't know that he's going to have the tape to be able to do that. And, and, and there's just going to be so much talent around him. Now, he could come in and just absolutely blow everybody away. He could move to that two-guard spot, and, and you have work with him and JQ on the offensive end where they kind of set each other up and, and create mismatches, and, and both of them go pro. Uh, and then you got Shaq out there shooting 40% from deep and just lighting it up. And, I mean, you could have three three guys go pro off this team. Um, but then you got to think about Primo. Like, he's a guy that – He's going to basically similar caliber player out of high school. He's going to have a year under his belt in the system. And so there's just so much competition at, at that guard spot next year um, that I would think it's probably more likely than not that he does not go pro. Um, I, I want to go back to something and, you know, I just want you to sound off on it. And I'm, I kind of say this jokingly, I kind of say it somewhat serious, but you mentioned earlier that Alabama next year, we're going to have six true guards and four true dominant big men. You ever think about Nate Oates potentially thinking about running a platoon? You're talking about a, a big lineup, small lineup type deal? I'm thinking just five and five like Kentucky used to do. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, that, and that's, that's when I, you know, when I made that point earlier, that's what I was talking about is, is if you have a smaller lineup where you wanted to go. And the thing is, it really doesn't even have to dictate the other team doesn't really have to dictate what you want to play. If you've got, you know, because some of these guards, like you're talking about, I mean, you got Primo at 6'6", you've got Keon Ellis at 6'5", um, and then you, you've got you've got length. Um, you know, Darius Miles is 6'7", if you need to throw him out there. You know, Gary can can probably guard a three if he, if he gets better footwork in the offseason. Um then you got three guys in Gurley, Bidiaco, and Chiku that can guard the four and five. And so I, I would not mind that at all. Uh, I think it would take a long time to figure something like that out. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing. I think it would take at least 13, 14 games, maybe even in the conference play, to, uh, to, to figure something like that out. But, um, yeah, if you can – See, I would, I would kind of disagree with you on – my, my thing is if you do run five and five, I mean, you're, you're doing that every day in practice. So I feel like from the get-go, it would almost be more beneficial for the team to have one set of five and one set of five that goes out there and you just mass, mass substitute the two teams in and out. Yeah. And from the jump, you would you would start off better. But then maybe long-term, as you start to kind of fill out the team and develop that more eight-man rotation that you kind of want and deep into March or February, it would be more difficult to kind of establish that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and – if you could find it that early, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. If you found five that really played together and you found five that wouldn't necessarily hurt you um, against any line, I think that's the biggest thing 
is, you know, you've got, you've got a, you got your four bigs, Gurley, Bediako, Chiku, and, and Gary. You've got Gary's kind of the outlier there at six foot seven. He's a smaller guy. So if you had a team like Auburn, Jabari Smith at six, six ten, and Walker Kessler at seven foot one, you might want to lean more towards more size down there in, in the post, you know, but that's only one game. Like I said, yeah, if you could, if you could find a five man rotation, a five man platoon, as you put it, man, I think that'd be great. It'd be really fun to watch. I think we have the pieces, which is, you know, we'll have to see how it all will work. And does, does Nate Oates want to want to commit to something like that? I think, like I was saying with Kentucky, when they did it, it looked so cool at first and it, they really got off to a hot start. But then as the season went on, teams started to figure it out and they weren't, you have, the problem is you've got a group, you've got two groups, you have basically two teams, not one. And so as you try to develop that strongest eight man rotation, you have players who don't necessarily know how to play with one another. And then it kind of kills you down the stretch, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Yes. And I think it's the, just from a depth standpoint, it's going to be huge the way NATO likes to run. I think possibly you can see them, running even more next year and even faster pace because hopefully I think, I think, you know, don't get me wrong. This is on paper still. I mean, we've only got just a couple of guys. Like, I don't think Shaq runs with the ball. Well, I've expressed my feelings about how I feel. I've expressed my feelings about him putting the ball on the floor, period. No matter where he's at on the floor, I think he should never do it. But, you know, Primo runs it well. Q runs it very well. I think towards the end of the season, his turnover numbers way down. And I think he did a great job. And I uh, think, you know, that's JD's style. It's Burnett's style. Um, it's Keon's style. I think he's going to get better with the ball in his hands. And so, yeah, I think that Alabama could run even more. And I think that's huge having the depth to, you know, you can run for 40 minutes. You don't necessarily have to press. Whenever you're running like that, if you come up against a team with a seven, eight man rotation, you can wear them out pretty easily. But, um, Boys, moving into to spring football, Alabama's got their eight-day game Saturday at, at noon. Um, Kirk Herbstreit and uh, is it Joey Galloway, Buster? Is that who's calling the game? I think it's Herbstreit and Galloway. Have you seen that? Yeah, I haven't seen much about it, but Herbstreit for sure. Two names. He was like two Ohio State grads get to call our spring game after we just beat Ohio State's ass in the natty. So that's going to be pretty sweet. You know they're bitter about that shit, too, especially Herb Street. You can hear it in his voice. Whenever they were getting that ass beat back in January, he did not like that at all. He, you can tell he's still a homer deep down inside, um, which, man, I can't blame him for because, I mean, you know, you know, that's his school. But uh, anyway, Lester, what are what are you looking for in this 8A scrimmage? We haven't talked a lot about spring football just because – it's spring football, and Nick Saban doesn't give you anything to go off of. You know, Bryce Young's going to be the starting quarterback. I think any, you know, any realistic Bama fan knew that. you got to know that Paul Tyson is not going to make a push. Um, he's there just to be a frat boy just because of who his great-great-granddaddy was or whatever, um, which is fine. I mean, I don't have anything against that. But uh, Bryce Young's the guy at quarterback. Lester, is there anything specific that you're looking for in this A-Day game Saturday? Yes, um, the speed of the defense, the speed of the defense, specifically the linebackers, they fast. specifically the defensive line they fast. and the linebackers. Um, <laughs> I've heard great things thus far. You know, it'll just be awesome seeing, you know, how our defense reacts to potentially one of the most offensive 
most explosive offensive um, units in the country. Um, and saying that, it's going to be awesome seeing Bryce Young. Hey, fully featured. He's the man. Let's go. Let's see what he can do. Excited to see the running backs. See what those guys do. Got the stable horses back there. A stable of dogs that are ready to take off and run with it. So it should it should it should be really exciting, but definitely looking um, at Will Anderson and linebackers and those defensive guys. I'm telling you, the running backs that, that stable back there. Oh my gosh, it's it's one of the but you know Alabama usually has that two headed monster, and then one of them may be a freshman of the third guys, maybe somebody that's not well known. But you're talking about like one through five, man. You're talking about. Ryan Robinson is just going to be a beast this year. As long as he can hold on to the football, that's his big thing. He can't be fumbling. Then you've got Jace McClellan. You've got Roy Dell Williams, Kyle Edwards, who's a three-star in Louisiana that's really shown some flashes this spring. you got Kamar Wheaton that's not even on campus yet. Got, there's so many good running backs that you had. I don't know if I mentioned Roy Dell Williams, but he actually led the team in, in um, rushing yards in the scrimmage last weekend. But uh, – Evan, what what do you what are you looking for? I don't know how much spring football you followed. I know you're a big basketball guy, but you know, I guess the outside of baseball, the closest sport now to us is is football. So you got the A Day game coming up. Is there anything specific that you're looking for in this scrimmage or spring game come Saturday? Yeah, I was going to mention the O line, uh, which y'all I think y'all both touched on. I, I'll kind of take a step out and, and mention the receivers. I think that's probably. To me, that's probably one of the biggest question marks. I mean, I know you've got you've got some studs that are coming in, some guys that have been there. Obviously, John Mechie. It's going to be interesting this year to see is you know is John Mechie going to be the possession guy this year? Whereas in the past, he's he's kind of been that deep threat. Um, I know with Waddle going down, he took over that role. And then in the national championship game with you know Smitty going down, he he kind of became that possession guy, the go-to guy. But is that going to be his role this year? And and if it is. Or if it's not, who are the other guys that kind of step in and, and really take the reins? And, and, you know, I mean, you know that they have the talent. There's no question about it. I mean, there's talent all over the field. Um, apart from that, it's got to be the linebacker position. I mean, we were so deep last year, and, and I know there's a lot of question marks there. And But then, obviously, the O-line. And it's going to be fun this season, man. If that O-line can get going like it, like it has in the past, which I assume that it will. Um, like I mentioned, we've – I, we're, I guess we're, we're probably deeper at running back this year. And I don't know how many years back you have to go to find a deeper backfield, but um, obviously a lot to look forward to. You're right. It, it does kind of take me some time to get in that football mindset. I'm still a little down on, on basketball at this point, but um, it's normally, normally, normally middle of the lake season is when I, when I fully turn that switch. Yeah. When we're not used to basketball um, lasting this long for us, you know what I'm saying? We're used we're used to being, you know, not not playing into March very long. I was saying, you know, SEC tournament, maybe a couple of NIT games, and, and that's it. So uh, maybe it's something we have to get used to, is following basketball longer than than we than we have in the past. But uh, my, you know, my, mine's the receivers as well. I'm interested to see how much of this Bill O'Brien offense is going to be shown. Um, not really, you know. I'm sure they won't unleash the whole playbook, but. Uh, Interested to see in some of the, the new formations and the new sets that Alabama runs out of, whether there's some tight sets, some pistol, shotgun, under center, whatever it is, some trips, unbalances, whatever the case is. Um, I'm interested to see Cameron Latou. There's been a lot of buzz about him this spring, uh, the tight end slot. Uh, I think Jaleel Billingsley 
more than likely can slide to one of those receivers. And I think Alabama has the potential to use him a lot like Florida did Kyle Pitts last year. You just match him up on the outside with the five foot eleven cornerback and just tell him to go up and get the ball. He's six foot five. He uses his body well. He's got great mitts. Um, John Mechie is not going to participate in the spring game, I don't believe. I know Xavier Williams didn't play in the uh, in the scrimmage last weekend, and so I'm not sure if he'll play in the spring game or not. And so I think you're going to see some drop passes. You're going to see some bad play, some bad receiver play. And that's just because you got a lot of dudes out there. Ja'Cory Brooks and Jai Hall are already on campus. you got JoJo Earl coming in. Christian Leary's already on campus. He's rocking number 12. Um, so you're going you're gonna to see some new faces. You're going to, you know – they're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna see some numbers that you're not familiar with, and so, um, and so, yeah, I'm. I think the defense. This is, I guess you can say a stretch because you've got 2011 and 2016, especially that 2016 defense. Even though they didn't win the national championship, Deshaun Watson just tore them apart. I think that defense is, in my eyes, the best Alabama defense as far as no holes anywhere. The best Alabama defense that that we've ever had. This defense right here in the spread era, the interior defensive lineman play, you know, you've got a lot of dudes. you got Byron Young. You've got Darian Mathis, um, Tim Smith, you, DJ Dale. you got guys that can play there. So I think you'll see a lot of competition there over the summer and into, you know, all throughout fall camp. But uh, your two linebackers, inside linebackers, Christian Harris and Jalen Moody. I'm telling you, Jalen Moody is a damn good football player. Uh, Christian Harris went out like the first play against Arkansas last year. Jalen Moody came in, didn't miss a beat. Played just as well, if not better, than Christian Harris had that year. I think he had like 10 tackles a game or something crazy like that. But uh, um, I think he's a really good spread backer. Christian or uh, Chris Allen and Will Anderson are the two best pass rushers in the conference. Will Anderson's the best pass rusher in the country. You've got the two best pass rushers. The, pa- the pa- best pass rushing duo in the country by far. Uh, what they're going to do to quarterbacks this year, I just feel sorry for them just thinking about it. Um, Malachi Moore didn't participate in the scrimmage last week. I don't know if he'll play in the spring game or not, but uh, you still got Josh Joe at corner. Brian Branch is going to play that star position as a sophomore. He, uh, you know, he played there a lot last year in the dime package. And uh, DeMarco Helms, Jordan Battle at safety. You just you don't have a lot of holes in this defense. So I think the defense is going to be special. I'm definitely not worried about them, but uh, yeah, this offense, I'm interested to see Lester, um, this Bill O'Brien offense and, and just seeing what, seeing what Bryce can do with the ones, you know, I'm interested to see Paul Tyson and Jalen Milrow as well. Uh, Lester, tell me what you've been hearing about Jalen Milrow. There's some, some reports that he, that he really went off in the scrimmage last week. Tell me what you've been hearing about that guy. Playmaker. Playmaker. Um, apparently, uh, you know, spring they're not really hitting, and had there been an opportunity, he would have had probably 200 rushing yards. So that guy can do it all. He's a playmaker. You know, he can scramble. The play breaks down in the pocket. That dude's going to be exciting. Now, of course, this is versus team, and you know, hopefully, we don't have to see Jalen Monroe for, you know, at least a year or two, but. Should things go down or, you know, whatever happens to Bryce, a little Nick or whatever, got to be a little confident that guy can come in and take over and make a couple plays for this team. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the the number two guy behind Bryce Young once the season starts. He's still got a long way to go, though. Um, Evan, we appreciate you hopping on here tonight, man. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Just want to say thanks for having me again, guys. Roll Tide. Yes, sir. No doubt. We appreciate you hopping on, Lester. Um, you got any, you got anything you want to say before we before we log off? Negative, negative. Looking forward to the game. Looking forward to a day. Should be a good time. Be great to see a crowd back in Brian Denny again, man. You think we a see- big crowd. Only 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 fifty k, but it'll be good to see it. that many people. You think we get fifty thousand? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though they're charging five bucks a seat now, I I think people are anxious to get back to Slusa. You know, see that big fourteen foot elephant they got yeah. up front now. Uh, yeah, they'll 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 be excited to be back in Brighton, Denny. Evan, you think we sell out? Um, or you think we get fifty thousand Friday? Man, people might just show up to say the heck with the government because they're pissed off. But any other year, no. But I, honestly, yeah, I think I think I think you got to get shot. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think you you can get forty five fifty in there. But yeah, time will tell. But um, yeah, um, let's hope Bama baseball can can get the series win. Uh, I guess it'd be today since we're going to release this on Friday. You got Dylan Smith going today. Connor Prelit back from injury or back from sickness, whatever the hell he had. He's going to start on Saturday um, for the for the finale of the series. So hopefully Alabama can go ahead and, and secure the dub today um, with, Dylan, with Dylan on the mound. But um, episode 32, Don't Burners podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Evan Wright. We'll see you all next week.